Hello and welcome to episode three of Great Takes from the Great Lakes presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. As always, your great takes are coming at you courtesy of Luke Mori, Alex Dimel, and yours truly, Christian Peck Dimmitt. We have a lot of news, especially national news, uh, to get into this week. Two league championships. One is well on its way, almost done, actually. The other just about to get underway on Tuesday. The Bucks took down the Hawks despite missing Giannis uh, in Game 6, and they're now waiting on the Suns uh, on Tuesday for Game 1. Over in the NHL, the Lightning seem to be taking it to the Canadians for real. What do we got there, Luke? Yeah, I don't think anybody expected this. Everybody knew the Canadians were underdogs, but the Lightning just looked unbeatable at this point. They're playing really well defensively, and Vasilevsky's playing on his head. He's probably This is probably one of the best goaltending playoffs we're going to see ever. Over in the Diamond, we've got some midseason baseball, but I know Alex is going to want to talk College World Series. We do. Obviously, the uh, for those of you who don't know, the MLB All-Star Game lineups were just announced. We're going to go over that. We'll give you some thoughts about that. But yes, we do have to cover the College World Series. Um, it was insane um, watching. I mean, that was Mississippi State's first ever national championship. Not just in baseball, but it was the first national championship in Division One sports. So huge shout out to Mississippi State. Um, and we'll go over. Uh, we'll get into we'll get, when we get into Michigan Madness. We'll have a we're gonna have a very serious discussion about Tigers baseball because I don't think any of us know how to know what to think or how to feel about Tigers baseball right now. But we'll get into some of that as well. All right, let's get into it. We are starting in college sports, where after decades, it seems like, debate, uh, the NCAA has finally ruled that college athletes can now profit off of their own name, image, and likeness. I know Alex has some opinions on this. Uh, Personally, I think it's a good idea, especially moving forward, uh, but I kind of want to see what Alex uh, is thinking first. I love this. And I mean, I, I, that was just like, I, I was waiting to be able to, like, as soon as Christian said, like, that was really going to be the first words out of my mouth. Um, there was no reason that this shouldn't have been able to happen. I think with the amount of uh, effort that a lot of these Division One athletes put in, and I mean, the amount, uh, the amount that the media gets out of them already, um, I, I do think they should be able to do that. I think they have every right, if there's a brand or something that, that wants to partner with them, if wants to pay them for advertising, things like that, they should be more than willing to do that. I do think it's one of those things where we're going to see more issues come up and it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be tweaked a little. There's going to be rules that are going to be tweaked, but I think getting that out and just making it possible is makes it so much better for you know the NCAA in general. And I do think this is going to be one of those things that is going to make athletes want to stay in college instead of leaving and jumping and you know doing we're not going to see as many one and done we're not going to see as many people declaring early for certain drafts which i think is great because as a you know my one of my favorite sports is college football so that is awesome for me being able to see that um and it's great seeing the ncaa make a change like that for the players which is something we haven't really seen in a long time um so i all, all the way around and we've already seen you know, so many different avenues. I know, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Barstool Sports, uh, another media outlet out there, just started their own thing called the Barstool Athlete, which a lot of uh, Division One athletes have already applied for to where they can become a certified Barstool Athlete. And, you know, players like Sam Howell um, and lots of other guys are 
already starting partnerships with different brands, whether it be like an energy drink or, or a specific type of clothing brand. It, it's just it's a great way for not only these brands but the players to be introduced to these things before they get to the NFL. Because I can imagine once they get to the NFL, they're going to get hit with all of these things. You know, it's brand deals, this, 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 and that. This gives them time to know what they're getting into before they hit the NFL. And I think there's, I don't think there's any sort of negative to that. I absolutely agree. I think there was, maybe this was just me, but from what I've seen, I think there was a bit of a, a stigma or maybe a misunderstanding where it was the colleges would then pay these players maybe like a percentage of their earnings or their television rights or something like that. Uh, but really it's because, you know, then the, the pretty easy or I guess the common argument to that was then, oh, well, they're already getting a free education. The college is already doing this for them. Uh, most of them get free, you know, food, free this, you know, trips and plenty of clothes, especially for the, uh, the football players. But the big thing for most of these people is, as Alex said, just to be able to sign with certain brand, like a brand can come up and just, you know, a power or an energy drink or a pre-workout or whatever, a shoe, a, you know, a certain type of brand and just let them be the spokesperson or the ad model or just take pictures, holding it, using it, doing it, and actually get money that they can use themselves and not just money in a scholarship, which is great. And it goes towards education, which some of them may not use. That's neither here nor there, but money that they're actually going to use, not money they're never really, in essence, going to see. Exactly. And I think one of the interesting things that I thought about uh, when this hit was a lot of people that we know that obviously, you know, a lot of the kids we go to school with, um, they all have time for if they're not playing a sport, they do have time to go get a job on campus or they do a job on a lot of people were doing job online in the last couple of years uh, with the pandemic. College athletes, it is school sport. They don't have a lot of time to go out and get a job that to have spending money for themselves. And so I think this is a great way for them to be able to do that. And uh, I think they have every right to be able to pursue opportunities that fit with their timeline and continue to do the things that they love to do. And so I, I, I think it's a great thing. All around. Like I said, I do think there are going to be a lot of different changes to this. I think we're going to see um, certain rules pop up. Uh, I think they're going, I think the NCAA is going to realize that uh, sort of giving a whole freedom thing right away isn't going to work the way they want it to, whether that be good for the players or not. But uh, I'm just, like I said, for the, uh, for a lot of these college athletes, I'm very happy for them that they get the opportunity to do this. Um, and I think these next couple months, a step, especially coming up, we do have uh, college football. Oh, I can't wait. Um, we do have that coming up in about a month or two. So I am, I think we're going to see a lot more of these different brand deals, especially with major brands. I think Nike, Adidas, I don't know how they're going to start handling it, um, but I think we're definitely going to see some movement out of those bigger brands uh, at some point soon. I mean, you, you hear stories all the time from people in the league now or retired that were like Chris Weber tells that story where he walks by a McDonald's and he doesn't have enough money in his bank account to actually go get a meal but they're selling his jersey for 50 bucks like a street vendor right down the street and it's just absolutely wild um i think this is big for college sports in general and sadly it's big i guess for maybe a a, a quiet victory a hollow victory for you know players in the league right now i guess yeah in a way um i think a lot of people that especially the ones that I, I assume, you know, that just declared early uh, when they had more NCAA eligibility. Uh, I think they might be a little like, ah, 
just missed that. But um, you know, at, at some point, someone was going to miss out on that. I think it's important that they got it started earlier than later. And so, like I said, I'm, I, I could not be happier about this, especially uh, not for me clearly, but especially for uh, Division One athletes and beyond. And I think this is going to be the start, whether it be a good or bad thing, this is going to be the start of the NCAA's actual involvement to the point where they will not be an official organization anymore at some point soon because I think this opens up a huge avenue for the players to become independent and for the schools and the teams to become officially independent. I don't know what that's going to mean in terms of how the NCAA acts as an organization, but I do think this is a big stepping off point for them as you know, a leader of you know, college athletes. Well, like you guys are talking about with the college football, we're seeing that soon, but also college basketball is coming up and we could see, you know, we're going to see somebody come out with their own signature shoe, you know, onto the college basketball court. Like, it'd just be crazy to see, but I mean, it's a possibility. We're already seeing some people, you know, getting sponsored by restaurants. I know Spencer uh, Rattler was sponsored by uh, Raising Canes and like we're seeing people, you know, we're seeing that happen with a bunch of places, but it's, you know, it's only a matter of time before Under Armour, Nike, Adidas, you know, they're going to get in on that some kind of signature shoe's going to come out and then, you know, it's just going to keep spreading. You know, I, I, I'd imagine Zion is probably fairly bitter right now. He's probably thinking, ah, if I would have had my own, uh, my own <laughs> custom shoe when all of this came out, maybe I wouldn't have torn through my shoes in the North Carolina game. But, um, oh man, they, I, like I said, I, despite all of that, I do think they were, like I said earlier, they're good. They were going to have to do this at some point. Um, and I think, this is the perfect time to do it, especially with the pandemic. Um, I think it's a good turnaround because a lot of those college athletes did lose a whole year. They were able to regain an eligibility, but they did lose a year of football, uh, year of their sport. And so I think that's a perfect way to a perfect attempt to make up of that. And I do want to say, speaking of basketball, Suns, Bucks. I didn't get my Suns in four, as we know, but they still took the Western Conference. I still have my chance at a Suns in four. Um, do we think that's going to happen? Well, boys, will I be able to officially say it and actually make it happen? What do we think? Well, you know, you know, I want that for you. You know, I want to hear a Bucks or uh, a <laughs> for. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I love the fact that I can't tell you with confidence what anything that's going to happen because this is the first time in maybe five or six years we're going as like an avid basketball fan going into a final series, not having at least a pretty confident idea of who is going to win this series. The last one that went to seven, obviously, Cavs Warriors, even going into that, everyone was pretty confident the Warriors were going to win. And this one, I actually, I, I can't see it really going any way other than seven, maybe six. But the the official uh, guess, I hate to tell you, is Bucks and seven. But I would... I don't know. I have this gut feeling that uh, Chris Paul is just not going to let them lose. And uh, I have a hard time seeing him let them lose, honestly, especially now that he's fully healthy. Exactly. And I think uh, the one big thing we're going to see coming out of this is uh, the head coaching matchup. You know, Monty Williams versus Mike Budenholzer. We're going to see, uh, you know, who's the, the top end uh, head coach with that one. And I think, honestly, it is going to be really important to see how the Bucks play the Suns because the Bucks went to more of aggressive switching uh, against the Hawks, and that's really what helped them win. But, you know, most of their coverage is usually drop coverage, and 
you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker really feed off that mid range. And so you can't, you know, you can't really give that to them. We saw Devin Booker and Chris Paul both in different games, you know, go nine for nine straight, straight shots from the mid range, just, you know, putting the game out of reach. And I mean, Devin Booker is really growing as a superstar and Chris Paul is a perfect compliment for him where they both, you know, they can both get a bucket. They can both facilitate and DeAndre Ayton is doing a great job like rebounding. He's got really soft hands, but it's going to be a fun series. I'm really excited for it. I got to say, though, if there's ever a defensive team that can match up with, you know, a team like the Suns where all five of them can really give you buckets and they can hurt you from anywhere, if there's ever a team defensively that can do that, it's the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, drop coverage or not, they can, well, I say I trust uh, Budenhoser to change anything. Um, But, man, I I hope that he can see that they need to cut off the mid-range for him. One of the big things is uh, whoever, whether it be Holiday or maybe PJ, I think those are probably the two guys they're going to show to that backcourt the most. But whoever's on Booker, the big things, he still put up 25, almost 6 and 5 in the Western Conference Finals. But for anybody who watched that series, I loved Evan Booker. But especially outside of that first game, he had a tough series. Pat Bev was giving him something else. And I'm a Westbrook fan. I still remember when he tore Westbrook's meniscus. I'm not a huge Pat Bev guy, to be honest. But he was he was putting uh, Booker in a hurt locker. Booker, including the 40-point triple-double in game one, including those buckets, shot 38% from the field, 27% from three in this series. And I think a lot of it was he kind of took the same shots that he was always taking, even if they were getting a great contest from Pat Bev. And I think we're going to see that same, whether it's PJ or holiday, they're both known for their defense and both strength and physicality and toughness, which is exactly how Pat Bev guarded them. And they're a lot stronger than Pat Bev is. And I think it'll be very interesting because Booker taking those same shots, even though he was getting a good contest on all of them, he, it speaks to the confidence. It speaks to his ability to get the shot off. The skill, obviously, is, you know, bucket getter mentality. But it also speaks to perhaps the inexperience or the youth of just not knowing when to pass out of shots or to, to kind of give it up for the effect of the team. In, I mean, in games two through six, so taking out that 40-point triple-double, he shot 25% for three, and you just can't do that in the finals and win. Uh, so I don't think it'll be very interesting to see how they guard Booker throughout the series. I also think part of that, though, I mean, part of that series, everybody's going to remember it because of, you know, him breaking his nose in three different places. Like, I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of, not all of it, I think some of it he still has to take some blame for it, but I think some of that, you know, lack of, shooting well I mean he's so efficient usually I think some of that just has to be the discomfort playing with the mask you could tell it really frustrated him you know he took it off halfway through I think it was game five and I think he's gonna you know he's had some more time to heal because they haven't played for a while they're not playing till uh, Tuesday and they finished up I think on like Thursday or something so they've had a couple you know like a long weekend off they're gonna get some rest hopefully he'll heal some more and it's going to be big, but I mean, the health of both teams is going to be really big because obviously we haven't even talked about it, but Giannis is like, we don't know what Giannis's situation is going to be like. Hopefully he's healthy. No uh, structural damage is really big. Hopefully he can, you know, come back and this weekend will help him heal. And, you know, the reports are promising that he was planning to play in game seven. It's really good that they were able to, you know, finish it in game six, give him some more time to rest. But that's going to be big because if they don't have Giannis, 
they can obviously still win with Middleton and Holiday. Like they're good enough and they've shown that they can close out a series, but it's going to be much more difficult if they're without Giannis. I will tell you what, that is maybe the hardest injury that I'd like to watch that didn't end in structural damage. Like, I don't think I've ever seen an injury that difficult to like watch his knee bend as far as it did backwards, but then not have any structural damage. I think that's absolutely wild, but he was probable for game seven and he's only going to get one more day of rest than what that game seven would have been on, which would have been Monday. They're going to play game one on Tuesday. It'll be very interesting to see whether he plays those full minutes or not. Yeah, exactly. And I do want to mention before I forget, uh, obviously we saw PJ Tucker and Kevin Durant go at it in the in their series. Who do we see? I, I think it's safe to say that if anyone's going to get into some sort of uh, some sort of uh, you know chippiness or anything like that, it would be PJ Tucker. Do we PJ Tucker? PJ Tucker. Who do we think? Is there anybody on the Suns that could get into it, get into it with him like that? Two answers. Chris Paul. <laughs> Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Jay Crowder. Oh, yeah. That, that is the most legendary set of posts I have ever seen. Uh, when Crowder posted the, the picture of, him help, of himself salsa dancing with LeBron in the background after them beating them in the first round, and, it, and the caption was, ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, which was a throwback to LeBron when he posted uh, right on Twitter right before he came back from his injury and just the clapback from Crowder was amazing and I mean he doesn't back down from anybody I don't, I don't know they'll probably have him on Giannis which will be very interesting to see because Giannis I don't think is a guy that's going to back down either I, I think it should, I think it should get chippy I like love what I don't want anyone to get injured of course but I, I love watching a chippy series yeah there's there's really nothing better than uh you know, two teams just battling it out. And that's why, as much as I'd love to see a Southern four, I do think we're going to see, uh, you know, go into game six or seven just because these are two dogs. These are two teams that love to battle. They love to get scrappy. And that just makes for more entertaining basketball. I still, like I said, I'm going to prefer my sons in four to the day I die. Uh, that'll be great. And I, speaking of playoff series, not as scrappy. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, dude, what in the world? This is it, – it's almost like a team gets there and it's like they have whatever team they play under some sort of spell to where they just look, you know, helpless. Um, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens were rolling until the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, that, as most of you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-0 on the Canadiens. The uh, Game 4 will take place uh, on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Is this Luke – is there any hope for the Canadians? Is there any hope for Cole Caulfield getting his first in his first season? Not even a first full season, his first season, a Stanley Cup. Um, is Carey Price going to get that? Uh, get a ring at the end of the year? What? What are we going to get? Or is this? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to see the end of hockey yet, but it might come tomorrow. Yeah, it's sad to see, honestly. Especially like, it's it's tough because the Canadians aren't playing badly. Like they're playing well. But they're just, you know, there's a couple pucks that are bouncing the wrong way, and the Lightning are just so good at taking the, you know, the chances they're given. And Vasilevsky has put up one of the best playoff performances I think anybody's ever seen from a goalie. I think it's safe to say he's a lock for the Conn Smythe. I don't, I think the only person who's close is Nikita Kucherov, who's also having a phenomenal season. He has 32 points in the playoffs, which is just insane. He's up there with Gretzky. 
like it's Wayne Gretzky four different times and then Nikita Kucherov for most uh, playoff points in a playoff series. So it's just incredible to see. They're all firing on all cylinders, but Carey Price has been playing well, but there's just not enough support around him and the Lightning are playing so well defensively that I honestly, as much as it hurts me to say, and you know, going to the off season without any hockey, I, I think this might be over tomorrow. Yeah, it, it's... It is, like you said, I think Kucherov, especially considering he didn't play for the majority of the season, the way he's just been able to come in and gel, like we talked about earlier, he's come in and just played so well. Uh, it's like he was never, it's like he never left, really. Um, and I do think, I, I do agree, I think we are going to see the uh, the end of the hockey season tomorrow. Um, it'll be back-to-back championships for the Lightning, the first back-to-back since 16-17 when Luke's Pittsburgh Penguins took back-to-back. Um and one thing I do, as as obviously we are sad for, uh, um, we are kind of you know we will miss hockey this uh, this summer and the, for the rest of the off season. But uh, that does mean we have the draft coming up. Uh, we'll get into the draft more later with the Red Wings. But Luke, do we who do we have any big free agents coming? Not anything really big. I think I think really what we're going to see a lot of is the trade market this year. I think obviously Jack Eichel is a very easy one. But I was actually thinking about it today, like. There are some really good goaltenders that played really well. We obviously saw Ilya Sorokin play phenomenally against Pittsburgh and the Bruins series. And um, we also saw Alex Nedeljkovic, who was a Calder Trophy finalist for the Rookie of the Year. And they already have both those teams, the Hurricanes and the Islanders, have already good, solid goaltenders in front of them. So are we going to see, you know, a Marc-Andre Fleury to Matt Murray kind of passing of the torch from 2016 to 17, where, you know, the, the established star gets, gets traded to, you know, support the younger guy? And we'll talk a little bit about that um, with Detroit. A little tease for you. Uh, maybe they might pick one of those guys up. Yeah, exactly. It'll be uh, it'll be an exciting, uh, not as an exciting offseason without hockey, but um, it's an, it's a bit crazy to think that we only have to go, what, two, three months without it? You know, obviously, they, the season was delayed. We have an extension. We're already in July, We're midsummer and we got hockey, so I guess I can't complain too much there. Uh, speaking of, you know, speaking of midsummer, Midsummer Classic in baseball, the All-Star Game. The lineups were just announced. Uh, full lineups were just announced about an hour ago. Um, the American League East is completely dominating the American League in terms of uh, players. And it's just truly not fair. Um, I believe it's five out of the starting nine players for the American League are in the AL East, which is just, you know, where's where's the AL Central love? I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, you know we do, <laughs> we do get um, we do get to see some obviously it's a huge event everybody looks forward to it every year. Uh, it'll be at Coors Field this year, which I'm excited for. Coors Field, always it's a you know a legendary ballpark. Um, it'll be a great venue. We do get to see uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Marcus Simeon, Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Teoscar Hernandez, and Big fly Otani San Shohei Otani uh, in the American League East. And then behind the plate will be Salvador Perez. Uh, and then over in the National League, uh, catching is Buster Posey. Uh, Freddie Freeman at first, uh, Adam Frazier at second, Nolan Arenado at third, uh, electric Fernando Tatis Jr. at shortstop, uh, Ronald Acuna, Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winkler. In the outfield, we do have two Cincinnati Reds in the outfield, which would be interesting. Uh, but uh, I'm, I am—I do initial reactions. I am kind of shocked, especially considering you know 
how great the Cubs and the Brewers have been. We don't see a single Cub or Brewer in the starting lineup, and we get one Cub as a reserve um, for the National League. I did want to see um, more Cubs and Brewers, especially the way they've been battling, or they were battling for the uh, NL Central for a while. Um, and then for relievers, obviously, we do have Craig Kimball and Josh Hader uh, representing Chicago and Milwaukee for pitching. But I did, like I just said, I was looking to see more of those, but um, you know, I think this is one of those things where when it comes to fan voting, there's always going to be people that everybody thinks is robbed at some point. So it still will be a uh, very exciting game. Um, you know, obviously we'll start off with the home run derby and speaking of home runs I and mean, Shohei Otani has to stop. Okay. It's, it's a home run every day. It's, it's, he's becoming Tatis where every time I go on you know, it'd be Twitter or Instagram, and it's a baseball highlight. It's it's Otani hit another homer. Otani hit another homer. Otani hit another homer. He's already at 31, and we haven't even hit the All Star break. What is this? This is this is someone check this guy for PEDs. This is insane. Like Mike Trout isn't the biggest name for the Angels. What is happening? What this is? It's it's nuts. But I. That's the beauty of the All Star uh, team for my at least in my or the All Star game in my opinion because. We do get it's it's right in the name. We do get to see the all star, like the best players in baseball, battling it out. Um, you know, we got the home run derby, we got the rising stars challenge. So it'll truly be a great thing, and it'll give every it'll give baseball fans all around the world a breather. Especially me, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack today with the Tigers. We'll get into that later, but um, you know, it'll be a great thing to look forward to. Um, and then we obviously see have the College World Series. Uh, Mississippi State defeated Vanderbilt uh, in three games. As I mentioned earlier, their first ever national championship, not just in baseball, but in Division One athletics. So hat tip to Mississippi State. Obviously, they play in a very, very tough division or very tough conference in the SAC. So uh, I haven't had too many wins in the, many other sports, but um, it's great to see them. And then in the actual, so obviously, the way for those of you who don't know, the way college baseball works is they have a bunch of different super regionals, which happen all around the country, and the winner of each super regional comes to the uh, College World Series, the the finals, um, which take place in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, in the first bracket, we had uh, Vanderbilt, Arizona, Stanford, and North Carolina State, and Vanderbilt took that bracket. Uh, and in bracket two, we had Texas, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Virginia, and obviously Mississippi State took that bracket. Um, it's truly one of those more, one of those more entertaining, uh, you know, tournaments. And I think it's something that's coming up. I, I don't think it's something that's gotten a lot of notoriety in the last uh, couple of years, but it's, or in the in the past, but in the last couple of years, it has become you know a very popular event. And uh, you know, I do think that's something. It's a way to grow the game of baseball, which obviously I'm all for. But uh, on that note, let's roll in the Midwest Minute. We are starting in Midwest Minute this week with the NHL. We've got more uh, draft analysis, I guess. Not not a whole lot of NHL uh, going on at the moment. It's about to be done for the summer. Yeah, exactly. Well, got, got a little bit of draft stuff, but the biggest thing uh, was very recently Jonathan Taves with the Blackhawks. Uh, he's, he's planning to return to hockey next year, which is really good. He missed this entire year due to chronic immune response syndrome. And so it's good news that he's been doing okay. He's been really quiet this entire year. We've only seen him twice, once when he announced that he wasn't going to be playing this year, and then once when he was uh, congratulating his teammate uh, Patrick Kane. 
And you really haven't seen much of him since then. So it's good to know that he's doing all right and that hopefully he can return to the ice soon because, you know, the league's better when you've got their stars playing and Taves has been, you know, a, he's a champion. He's been incredible. And it's the Blackhawks are more fun when they got Taves and Patrick Kane going up the ice and dominating together. And with the Columbus Blue Jackets in the Midwest, um, everything I'm hearing right now is that they're basically sold on Simon Edmondson, a pick number five, which is bad news for the Wings fans because Edmondson would have been great on the Wings uh, back line, but the Blue Jackets are going to be really excited about him. He's 6'5", and he's only 18, so he's a little inconsistent. But since he's so young, you know, they can kind of stash him for a little bit, play him in the minors, get him, you know, some more consistency, and I think he's going to be really good. Over in the NBA, we've got just a little bit of exactly the same thing, uh, some draft analysis. And honestly, some stuff has changed. I got I to gotta start with Cade. Uh, Mr. Cunningham is... The greatest player of all time. Um, I'm going to say it now. What? What did would, you just say? See, I would love to see Cade bring a chip to Detroit. You know what? We're getting we're getting the chip while Cade is in Detroit. I'll, I'll put that one down. Luke, can, can you give us the timeline here? Give us the timeline. I can't. The, we're the Pistons. Within like t- within ten timeline. years, like no, we have to we have to have a timeline. So we can I'll go to ten years. Dinner, like, ten years. Like we have 10 to have a time. We have to have a... Oh, that's a, that's a long time. <laughs> but right, uh, we have to... You know what? Before, before last year, what I did was my my expert prediction was we're getting a top three pick this year, we're getting top five next year, and then playoffs the year after that. So I think Cade, to be honest with you, is enough to give us like four or five more wins and grab us a top seven pick instead of top five, which I don't care because it's Cade. But we'll grab top seven and then playoffs following year. But I, I still have – I just want to watch some young guys ball out this year. He, of course, joins a great young core. Uh, and I am nothing but excited uh, to watch them play. Not a Luke, whole lot I, uh, Midwest teams. What are you going to say? Sorry. Luke, Luke, I think for next – by next episode, I think we have to set a deadline for Christian where he has to come up for his – come up with another steak dinner. So <laughs> – we can become even because exactly. I, I refuse to believe that he didn't have something to do with the uh, – uh, no, actually not even that. I do want to believe that he had something to do with the Pistons getting the top three pick because if he can win a steak dinner off of it and we just keep betting steak dinners, that just I think means the Pistons are just going to get more and more great things happen to them. So we might have to put another steak dinner, <laughs> maybe even on them winning a championship this year, and then it will just miraculously come to life. Are you, are you saying to... I rigged this? Are you saying I put I froze some envelopes? Got all, all I saw was I saw some money in Akeem Olajuwon's hand that I just I don't know how it got there. <laughs> I, no, I don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that necessarily you rigged it, but I do think that I think if if you if we bet that steak dinner and they got the, the first pick, it'd be foolish not to do more steak dinner bets so great things happen to the Pistons. I think you just don't want to pay for my steak dinner. I think that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, that might have a little bit to do with it. Um, <laughs> let's roll into baseball before we <laughs> before, I lo- before I lose myself more money. Or spiral out of control. Um, exactly. So over in the American League Central uh, – we still have the White Sox, uh, who are still atop that division. Uh, they're 49-34 uh, on a two-game losing streak, though. Uh, both losses to 
the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Cleveland Indians, though, 49 and 42 and 39 in second place, six games back, but are on a six game losing streak. So, uh, you know, I mean, no complaints there. Maybe Detroit can take second place at some point. I mean, I'd be blown away if that happened, but you never know. And then uh, we have, in kind of perfect order, we have the Tigers are in third place in the yeah, Central. We're in third place uh, at 30, 38 and 46. Um, they're 11 and a half games back, and they are on a two-game win streak. Uh, Kansas City is 35 and 48, uh, two and eight in the last ten, and on a one-game losing streak. And in fifth, with the Minnesota Twins, with 34 and 48, uh, three and seven, uh, three and seven in the last ten, and on a one-game winning streak. Thank you, Christian. Um, you know, I did mention earlier that the Cubs and the Brewers were battling it out, and then reminding myself while looking at their standings. Uh, the Cubs are on a nine-game losing streak. They're 42 and 42. They're currently sitting at 500 and in third place. So, I unfortunately have to take my words back. Even though we did have some Cubs all-stars, they are not battling it out as much. Milwaukee, though, has been rolling. They are nine and one in their last ten. They did just start a one-game losing streak today, though. They are 51 and 34, uh, and riding first place in the NL Central. Cincinnati is a close, is not even a close foul. They're seven games back. Uh, 43 and 40. They're six and four in the last ten, but they are on a four-game winning streak. Uh, and then rounding out the bottom in the NL Central is St. Louis, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, St. Louis is 41 and 44. Uh, uh, they're five and five in the last ten, and on a two-game losing streak. And the Pittsburgh Pirates are 30 and 53. Uh, they're three and seven on their last ten, and on again just for Christian that miraculous one-game winning streak. I think that wraps up our Midwest minute. Let's roll into Michigan Madness. Let's start the Michigan Minute with the Pistons because we've got some USA represent. Jeremy Grant will be representing his country as a member of Team USA's men's basketball team. And if he's not the best player on that team, I don't know who is. It's definitely not like Kevin Durant or anything. Uh, I think if, uh, it is wild. Uh, me and Luke were talking earlier that this U.S. team, uh, headlined by KD, Dame, Lillard, Booker, Tatum, uh, among many others, including Beal and, of course, Jeremy Grant, is not close to the best team that the U.S. could field. And we're just going to beat basically every team by 30, at least, um, you know, redeem team type stuff. Uh, I think it'll be really fun to watch, of course, as a, as a USA basketball fan. Um, but those those are starting the uh, the 24th to 25th um, of July. They've got kind of the preliminary round games going on. Uh, those will be fun to watch, but uh, I guess not if you're France or someone. Not, I don't know. Well, all I'm going to say is just bring back Olympic Mello. That was the one mistake they made on this team. you got to keep Armelo Anthony going on the Olympics. You know he can ball there. But it's going to be fun. It's always fun to watch the Olympics, especially the basketball. I just enjoy watching it. It's more of a fun – it's almost like the all-star game, especially for the USA, just because, like, they know it's gonna what's going to end up happening. So they're just kind of having more fun, you know, going outside their games a little bit, just playing around. So it's always fun to see them play. And, you know, you get to see – you know, like, are we really going to ever see, you know, Kevin Durant and Dame Lillard on the same team? So it's fun to see them play, you know, right now. Don't jinx it. You know Katie can get Dame there. You know he can. Especially that Chris Haynes report, Dame is leaving, so leaving with quotation marks around it. We'll, we'll see there. Uh, Booker said, uh, for those of you wondering, that even if the finals go to seven, 
he will be on a plane the next day, whatever it takes to go. He really is fired up to represent his country. So are Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart, of course, the first and second team all-rookie Pistons, uh, who were picked for the USA men's select team. For those of you that don't know what the select team is, they've been doing it for a while. Uh, it's kind of like a younger generation Olympics thing where they have uh, a team of guys there to prepare and practice against them and go through drills and while simultaneously kind of preparing them, kind of grooming them for possible future Olympic appearances. And the big, the big thing is uh, during any exhibition games, those players are allowed to sub in if, you know, Booker is still playing in the finals or someone's injured or whatever happens, someone drops out. So I'm trying to see Sadiq Bey hit like some Olympic game winner. That would absolutely make my year but that's that's kind of the only interesting thing happening for the pistons right now except of course uh we're just waiting we've got right around three weeks until the draft and i just cannot wait i will say and it's not in michigan but um what a better way to talk i mean what a better way to uh celebrate the fourth of july than to mention the fact that devin booker no matter what will be at the uh will be there from team usa uh quick little happy 4th of July to our listeners out there. Hope you're enjoying your weekend. But, uh, no, it's a great thing, especially seeing not only just Pistons, but seeing young Pistons uh, getting Olympic, uh, you know, experience, uh, whether it be the select team or otherwise. So that'll be um, that'll be interesting. And then, Luke, we're getting closer. We're getting closer every day. I mean, obviously, we don't have – it's not an obvious pick where we don't have – you know, Christian's favorite, you know, Christian's uh, all-time favorite, uh, Cade Cunningham. We do have some uh, skepticism on who the Red Wings are going to take. Luke, we need our update. We need our draft analysis. What do you got? Well, I've been looking, and um, it's kind of, you know, at the beginning, it was a little, you know, muddled. We weren't quite sure. But what I'm hearing now is that there's a lot more support for Dylan Gunther from the WHL. He scored 24 points in just 12 games, and he also helped push Team Canada to gold medal with seven points in seven games. And he plays really well. I really like his game. He's really good on the man advantage, which the Red Wings really need. The Red Wings had an 11.4% conversion rate on power play this past year. And over the past three years, had the 30th worst conversion rate over the past three years. That's 30th worst out of 31 teams. So they kind of need a power play. You know, man, they can just get out, go out there, just dominate on the power play, get some goals going up. But we're still hearing some uh, talks about Jesper Wallstead. But I was thinking... Steve Eiserman's always been willing to make some trades. And we've seen, you know, an established goaltender and a young upstart goaltender. You know, sometimes those goaltenders get moved on, especially with, like, the expansion draft. We saw it with Vegas taking Marc-Andre Fleury. We could see it again with the Seattle Kraken, possibly. But, you know, two teams I was thinking about were New York Islanders and the Carolina Hurricanes. Both have Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlama for the Islanders and Alex Nedeljkovic and Peter Mrazek for the Hurricanes. And both of those guys, Sorokin and Nadelkovic, are both uh, rookies. And Mrazek and Barlamov are older guys, older vets that have been there before. And so, you know, could it be possible that one of them wants to be the lead, you know, the lead star, you know, be the uh, main man between the pipes, and maybe he's on his way out? So, Alex, I know you like the Islanders. So, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, hey, watching Barlamov, especially the way he just battled uh, against the Lightning, especially, I think. Um, he's the big reason why that was such in certain games such a low in really in general more of a low scoring series than we'd seen. Um, so I mean, I no complaints if he if we can get a goalie that will be you know a solid 
guy to replace whoever we need. And I, I do want to see, though, I do think we it, it's like with what we thought with the Tigers and like we saw a while ago with the Houston Astros when it came to the draft, like just continually drafting like um, certain players. I guess I would compare it to we didn't necessarily like stick with pitchers. We didn't stick with goals. We didn't and not even that, but we didn't sign certain people or trade for certain people. We just we were doing that in a way, but we weren't trying to trade for all stars or players of high caliber. We were more just trying to focus on the draft. And so I do think that that would be the smart play. But I mean, if it works out, um, I would not mind seeing uh, Varmalamov in a uh, in a Red Wings jersey, especially coming from the Islanders. But um, no, but I, who knows? I think it's one of those things that's, and <laughs> clearly, clearly, I do want to say this clearly. No complaints about getting the uh, uh, the number one pick. I mean, I know Christian has a ton of complaints about getting Kate Cunningham, but. Um, I do, I do want to say that um, the nice, the more of exciting part about not having that top pick, especially with the Red Wings, is there is a bit of you know you do have to. It's more of a guess as to who they're going to take rather than a certainty. So it'd be very interesting to see that um, rolling into the Tigers. We won la- nine out of our last thirteen. We're in third in the AL Central. I did not think this was going to happen at all in the slightest, but. I'll take it. This might mean I'm closer to winning our or having my prediction be true. I guess we didn't make a bet on that one. Probably should have. Um, Jonathan Scope is nuts. I just want to say it. He's he's 16 homers, 49 RBIs. Um, currently batting 282. He's probably one of the one of if not the best hitter right now that we have. And Eric Haas and Jake Rogers might be the catcher duo of the like the century. Uh, both players are on a roll. Eric Haas just hit the first inside the park home run for the Tigers this year, um, which is funny. If you, if any of you uh, Tigers fans go back and watch the video that uh, the Tigers posted uh, on Instagram and on Twitter where they have him running, he's kind of just you know jogging over to first as he thinks it's going to be a single. And as soon as that ball got by Billy Hamilton, you can see him turn on the Jets as he rounded first. But um, I do think it's – it's it's fun to see that baseball. I mean, they just took two from the Chicago White Sox, who, as we mentioned earlier, are the top uh, the, the top of the AL Central. Um, and so, I think, quite frankly, as soon as we can, as soon as Miguel Cabrera's contract is done, um, I think, and we have all that cap space to go out and get the guys that we want and have like you know maybe extend a couple of guys or do whatever. I think that's going to be the opening now to where the Tigers could say, okay, let's make a run. We're done with the rebuild. Let's go. And that just gets me more excited for uh, for future baseball. Obviously, we have another three seasons, unless he decides to retire early, has another three seasons left on his contract. So we don't know how quickly that's going to come. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I know originally the big mantra was take, 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 take. And I'm okay. With not tanking, if it means we're going to be, you know, if we're going to finish in the top three or the top two of the AL Central, I'd take that. Uh, I'd take a uh, over 500 record. Um, and so I'm as frustrating as it was before with us winning, which I can't, I can't believe I'm saying it was frustrating having us win. It was frustrating as it was not, you know, wanting to tank and not having us uh, tank. If it can continue and it can keep up and we can continue to be consistent, I will take a win any day of the week. I mean, you you predicted that where the the Tigers are going going back to the playoffs next year. 
Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't see a ton of potential for that. But let's say that happens this offseason. What moves do you think they need to make? Who do they got to pick up? Obviously, I think they have the, the number three pick, I believe, in the draft coming up. You know, what do we got to do? Pitching. Absolutely, we're going to need pitching. Um, I think we're going to need uh, relievers to be more consistent. Uh, Joe Jimenez is already he's already at a 6.16 ERA. Um, that can't happen. We need more consistent guys. You need guys that are going to shut it down. We need Jose Valverde's. Um, you know, we need guys uh, to really kind of pull the load. And you know, when a starter when a starter throws a great game, we need to not have guys blow it in the last couple of innings. We almost have we almost uh, saw it today with uh, Gregory Soto, who just got named got named to the All-Star team after he almost blew the game. The Tigers were up 6-2 in the uh, top of the ninth, and then uh, and then he came home, or then the uh, Gregory Soto gave up a threw on Jack to Jose Abreu, uh, nicknamed the Tiger Killer, and uh, it went from there. But luckily they got the win. But I, like I said, I do think we're going to need more solid relieving and maybe another, uh, solid, uh, another solid starting pitcher to add to our young core. All right. Well, that is going to do it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This has been Great Takes from the Great Lakes with Luke Morey, Christian Peck-Demmett, and Alex Dimel. Reminder, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, the TVSportsMag.com website, and anywhere you get your podcast. We'll see you next week.